Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today. If you need help keeping track, today is Wednesday, March the 3rd. And with us today, we have the honor of speaking with Congressman Greg Pence. It's always good to hear from you. How are you today, sir? Good morning, Jody. Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you. We've, we're in a new month now, so I don't know what that brings, but we'll see, right? Warm weather, let's hope. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think over the weekend we uh, had a sneak peek of what everybody likes, and that's spring-like temperatures. Is it is it spring like in uh in DC? How how is do, do people lighten yeah, up as Jody, the weather yeah. lightens up? No, it's uh it's rainy and dreary. Uh, this is one of the few weekends I've ever spent out in Washington. You know, we finished uh we vote voted on the final markup of the one point nine trillion dollar COVID bill at two AM Saturday. Uh, and then I've got some things I have to do here. So I I didn't go home uh, this weekend. So this is one, I think, about the third or fourth time in the last two and a half years that I've stayed out in Washington, D.C. Got the opportunity to spend time with family, and that was fun. And But it, it's been rainy and dreary the whole time. Yeah, well, it is good that you saw family then, I guess. Uh, it is surprising to see you uh, the, how long it took with the bill that you guys were, you know, cranking away until 2 a.m. Um, and with that, even though it's passed in the House, where does it stand with the Senate? Yeah, so right now uh, it'll go over to the Senate. Uh, if they would accept the bill as is, then they would they would have go through the amendment process like we did, like I did a couple weeks ago. I was out here with just two other Republican uh, Congress. Uh, man and woman, and we did what we added uh, amendments in markup, but that really didn't go anywhere. We didn't get much changes. We're in the minority. And so it'll go through the Senate, but we know that the $15 an hour minimum wage, which we passed in our bill, uh, I voted against it for a, a number of reasons, but our bill included the 15 That will have to be taken out. And since that will be a change to the bill, after the Senate votes on it this week or next, then it will come back to the House uh, for final passage. So we'll, well, and that ought to be in a, a couple of weeks. You know, I, um, I'll kind of preempt the question, Jody, from you. Had this bill just didn't target what I think it needed to target. I, may, I introduced, along with a number of other people on my Energy and Commerce Committee markup, some uh, adjustments, a little more uh, dollars focused on Main Street rather than Wall Street, rather than bailing out Chicago. I thought more dollars needed to be focused on opening up schools, as you and I have talked many times, uh, and vaccinations and testing. But unfortunately, of the $1.9 trillion, very little went to what I just described. So I'm very, I'm disappointed. And, you know, I don't want to get barked partisan on on uh, on this interview uh there was already a trillion dollars still out there i just uh it's just wasteful government spending in areas that had nothing to do with the hard press main street uh schools uh and the uh, uh fighting directly COVID 19 but we'll move on from here now, I think one of the most important things most people want to know is, is there another stimulus included in this package? 
There was. I, I actually I voted uh, last year, went ahead and voted on the $2,000 stimulus. This one includes another $1,400. Uh, the 600 was already approved in our $900 billion bill back in December, which was much more targeted and bipartisan. Uh, I actually uh, uh, voted for the 2000 back in December. Uh, there's a lot of folks struggling out there. There's a lot of small businesses struggling and that infusion into the economy, although not needed by everyone. I understand that, uh, but it would help our economy get back up and running and help those that have lost their job or have, have been uh, uh, tremendously affected by COVID in one way or another. Now, with that, one of the most um, important things that you do on your new energy and commerce uh, committee Rural broadband, is that is there any money looking at being funded through this bill for rural broadband? Yeah, yeah, not enough. I, I actually ten, uh, testified to that, and I've actually introduced a bill, Jody, H.R. Uh, 1069, uh, and that's to speed up the federal permitting of rural broadband. Uh, you know, we, we permit um, construction in by county and by state, uh, when uh, when those are minor changes for the expansion of rural broadband, I hate it when it gets bogged down and has to be also permitted on a federal basis. And this bill is streamlining permitting uh, to get uh, to get uh, rural broadband up and running faster. I think I'll, I think I'll get that one passed um, in a bipartisan way. It's called the Speed Act. Uh, streamlining permitting to enable efficient deployment of broadband infrastructure. Very clever. Speed. <laughs> that so, is very clever. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, I'll keep focusing on that. That's, uh, that's not my champion. I'll just keep championing that. You know, again, you and I have talked a whole bunch, whether it's uh, uh, the students and teachers uh, using broadband for education when they're staying at home or even when they're not. Uh, telehealth is the, that that is the final that's the new frontier that'll help our hospitals our doctors our hard to reach areas for uh, medicine and I think it's the wave of the future we don't I will even tell you I'm not you know Obamacare didn't work for me personally my costs went up incredibly high so one of the things we need to do is make changes to our healthcare system and I think telehealth is the way to go yeah, it's certainly interesting, as well as will help those that are homebound feel that they have uh, more freedom to be able to um, ways to meet with their, their doctors and, and such. How much time would the Speed Act actually cut off on the on the development of rural broadband? Well, we, we asked them to do if it if it if it uh, if it complies with certain permitting processes that it would almost skip the federal uh, process. That if it's, I, I'll give you an example, I'd exempt expansion of broadband facilities from environmental and historic preservation reviews if it's no more than 30 feet from the facility. In other words, when the broadband facility was built, it already did an environmental and historical preservation on that property and if it's only 30 feet away from that building, then another environmental and historic preservation review wouldn't have to be done. You think about 30 feet, that's not very far. 
So that's an example. It would exempt certain things that uh, if it's already, if if it's an if it's an addition or adding broadband cable into an existing right away, you wouldn't have to do. You wouldn't have to get a federal permit. It's already got we the city, the county, the state have already approved that particular right of way on that piece of property. So kind of gets into the weeds, Jody, a little bit, but you know, uh, just just uh, we don't it doesn't it keeps the federal government from just wasting their time too. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, and I would imagine that the Fed, the the average Joe or average Jody out there, they don't uh, realize how much time it actually takes, and and all the things that um come with just saying, hey, we're going to install rural broadband services in your region soon. Right, and and it's and cost. You know, yeah. if if it's already per, if a right of way is already permitted and in place. Uh, to take it and get it permitted with federal government, that somebody's got to do that. And yeah, I, and it's either time or money. Yeah, absolutely. And and with that, uh, it saves both time and money, which might help with the expansion being further in regions. Right. Exactly. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue speaking with Congressman Greg Pence. And we're back. If you just tuned in today, we are speaking with Congressman Greg Pence. Well, last week was National FFA Week, and of course we heard from all of our local schools here on how they were celebrating the uh, organization, and you recognized National FFA last week. I did, uh, and uh, I, I, want, uh, I introduced legislation to express support for February 20 to 27 to be National FFA Week. You know, as you and I both know, that particularly over in your neck of the woods, uh, about half of Bartholomew County where I live, but uh, you get into Decatur and, and the, the all flat flat areas, farming's, farming's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an ag, ag advisory board, and so we, we spend a lot of time championing and, and focusing on and representing uh, agriculture community and, and the fine young people uh, in that community. So I, that, that's the fun stuff. Of being a congressman. <laughs> I guess it's always good to do some things that lighten the mood up, probably when you're on the floor. Right. Right. And you know, Jody, we got this week uh, coming up, uh, we got the George Floyd uh, and the HR1. HR1 is the same bill as a couple of years ago, and we talked about it. It's the federal takeover of the uh, election process. Uh, we don't need it in Indiana. We do a great job. We don't have the problems that other states have. Uh, constitutionally, states are, have the authority to run uh, elections there the way they want to do it. Uh, this is interfering with that by Washington, D.C. So I will oppose H.R. 1, as I have before. And then the George Floyd bill, I am co-sponsoring and introducing the Justice Act this week, uh, and I did it uh, last year as well, uh, the Justice Act protects the qualified immunity of law enforcement. Uh, you know, I'm a, I am ai don't think that uh, law enforcement, in when they're doing the best they can, when, when they're doing their job uh, un, under very difficult circumstances, that they ought to be personally risking all of their assets. That's why we have qualified immunity. 
It has been upheld many, many, many times in the U.S. Supreme Court. This George Floyd bill that I will vote against will will is an, an attempt again to take that qualified immunity protection away from law enforcement. So that's that's not a bill I'm going to support either. And you know, I, I hate to get partisan, but you know, uh, I, as I said before, you know, when I when I heard uh, you, people use terms like most law enforcement are good people trying to do the right thing. I, I, I don't, I disagree with that statement. 99.9% are, and I think they do a good job when they got a, a bad apple in their ranks, they do something about it. And there's no reason for them to risk their, their family, their livelihood. You know, I saw in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati mayor was on national television about 10 days ago saying, they are short of law enforcement now. In the last year, so many people have retired and left. And the problem is nobody, nobody wants to come and uh, apply for the jobs. You know, we need, to, we need to uplift, cherish, and support law enforcement in this country. They risk their lives every day. Yeah, they certainly do for sure. Now, we recently spoke with Representative Randy Fry, and he spoke about the state as actually looking at a bill that would um, decertify officers who've demonstrated patterns of abuse, um, something that uh, isn't done currently. Most people are usually let go without that, what they call, quote, unquote, black mark on their record. Would you, does your act um, support any kind of movements like that? No, I, um, that's actually the first I've heard about that. I, um, it's interesting. I, I don't have any details on that. Now, this one, this one just uh, keeps federal government out of interfering with uh, state and local uh, law enforcement. And, and, and the, the big issue in my Justice Act is the qualified immunity. And I know Randy and I have talked about that before. He's, you know, he thinks that uh, taking that away is, is a bad move, too. Yeah, it looks like the state's moving towards more of a um, de-escalation program training um, for officers maybe with issues and for new officers as well. A lot of money. I think the state's trying to pour a lot of money into um, improvements at the law enforcement academy. It sounds like a good idea. Absolutely. Well, going back to your energy and commerce committee, uh, you're working on funding for schools and COVID. Is that right? Well, that's what we tried to do uh, over the last couple of weeks. We, we said, you know, there's still a trillion dollars left uh, from the two previous COVID bills, one last spring and the one in December. Uh, there are dollars unspent for schools. There are dollars unspent for vaccination, and there's dollars unspent for testing. Uh, in this new bill, uh, I, I'll just be frank with you, I was very disappointed and of the 1.9, how little is in that bill. And probably one of the most egregious things, and we, we actually author, we, we introduced some amendments that would try to take more of those dollars that the Democrats were going to be able to put in this bill, you know, where I'm in the minority and said, hey, why don't we, why don't we beef up education over here? Why don't we beef up testing? Uh, why don't we beef up uh, uh, rural broadband? because uh, uh, hotspots don't work too good. But in the bill, only 5% of the dollars allocated for opening schools back up 
are will be allocated for this year. The remaining 95% of the dollars, $220 billion for opening schools back up, will be in 22 and 23. So, yeah, and, you know, again, in Indiana, we've done such a good job in fighting COVID, keeping our economy open, getting students back to school safely. Uh, you know, these there are so many other states that it, it's uh, – I hear stories all the time, Jody, about how bad it is in those areas. And let me tell you this one. They're in this bill that was passed at 2 a.m. on Saturday – there's 14, up to $1,400 for any federal employee that stays home because their children aren't going to school. Now, no one else gets that, just federal employees. So in Virginia or Maryland around Washington, D.C., or even in D.C. where they have closed schools, the federal employees don't have to go into work and they can get paid to stay home with their children. I, you know, and that, I don't know why they are um, given that privilege versus other folks that are coping with the challenges of COVID and the economic and educational shutdown that we've we've had to work through. And I assume by that you mean em- employees that otherwise couldn't work virtually from home, right? I well, I, I would assume so. Yes, right now, no, very, almost no federal employees are coming into the office. They are working virtually. I would say ninety-nine, ninety percent of them. Uh, this would simply be a leave for them, so they wouldn't even have to work. I assume that would probably pose problems towards things running efficiently. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I I read an article yesterday that folks that are hope to get the fourteen hundred dollar or six two thousand uh, dollar um, relief, uh, they can't get it because the IRS is backlogged from twenty nineteen tax return processing. Pretty hard not to. It's pretty hard to get things done if, if you don't come in. Yeah, that definitely does uh, put a stance on that. Um, and and I imagine I think we probably pressed our IRS to work harder than maybe they have had to um, in a while, if not ever, with the tax season and stimuluses and, and such. Right, right. But they're behind with 2019. Remember 2019. Uh, was supposed to be done last March. So yeah, yeah. That's I mean, when you think about it, that's it's like uh, thinking about 2000 being a lot more than you know 10 years ago. People still seem to think the 90s and and 2000 was only 10 years ago, but it was actually 20. So yeah, 2019 was not just last year any longer. It was more than a year ago at this point. So right, right, <laughs> right. Well, lots of stuff going on. Busy week. Will you be staying in Washington, D.C. or moving back and forth throughout your uh, area? Well, it's one of the few weeks I didn't leave D.C. When we finished at 2 a.m. Saturday morning and I had to be back here this morning. In fact, right when we finish, uh, I'm headed over to the office. 
Uh, I am in Washington, D.C., so I, it's one of the few that I didn't get to go home to my beloved uh, Indiana 6th District. Well, we certainly wish you the best for a busy week or two weeks 